Good morning. Today is Friday, September 16th, 2022. We are coming to the end of this Jewish year, 5782. And as we have discussed numerous times, this brings to a close the end of a Shemitah year, the sabbatical year. And that will come to an end as Rosh Hashanah begins Sunday night, September 25th. Now, we've also discussed a number of times over the past year that in addition to the agricultural laws of Shemitah, the sabbatical year that apply in Israel, there is a second set of laws, a second um, category of laws of Hashmatas Ksafim, which means the cancellation of debts, and that applies everywhere. It includes us. It applies to men and women, and it is applicable today. And it applies only to personal loans between one Jewish person and another, and also only to those loans that will be due now and by the time that the end of the year comes. If it's not due until next year, then Shemitah doesn't say anything about that, and we have discussed that detail in the past. But a loan that is due will be canceled as the sun sets on Sunday the 25th and Rosh Hashanah begins. Now, remember, it only applies to loans. It doesn't apply to any other financial obligation. It doesn't apply to um, outstanding monies owned for work. It doesn't apply to uh, money that's owed on a sale. It doesn't apply to um, any other kind of, let's say, penalty obligation or legal obligation. Only personal loans between one person and another. And there are two aspects, two uh, uh, aspects to the goal of this mitzvah, which we've discussed before. One is, of course, the societal benefit. This allows once every seven years for this periodic debt relief, and it helps to break the cycle of poverty. A person who had accumulated debts and is increasingly unable to get out from under that pressure has this release and a chance for a fresh start. So it helps to um, narrow the gap between wealthy and poor and has a tremendous benefit to all of society. That's number one. And number two, of course, is the spiritual benefit. And the spiritual benefit, similar to the agricultural laws of Shemitah, the reminder, Lahashem Ha'aretz Umloah, the earth and all of its fullness belong to God. Everything belongs to God. We have the ability to use it. We have the permission to use it. But it is not ours. We are only stewards. And therefore, when God says, don't plant this field, or God says, don't collect this debt, God has the right to say that because it's God. And try to imagine for a moment the effect on society if we were able to follow both of these categories in their ideal full sense, which we're not able to today, and we've discussed some of that before. But this, imagine a society where you had this vehicle, 
to reduce the gap between wealthy and poor, with lenders willing to give up what is theirs in quotation marks for spiritual and societal benefit. This is a magnificent and momentous mitzvah. And this mitzvah of the cancellation of debts every seven years worked well until about 2,000 years ago. Around that time, about 2,000 years ago, wealthy Jews gradually became unwilling to share. And they would stop lending close to the end of the Shemitah year because they knew that if they would lend money and it's getting close to Shemitah, there's a very good chance they would not get their money back. Even though this is a clear violation of the Torah's laws, because Hashem explicitly addresses this when God commands this mitzvah in the parsha of Re'e, just for a couple from a couple of weeks ago, the 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 Torah commands Zedvar Shmita Shemot Kobal Masheyado This is what you should do on Shmita that the debts are canceled, that the loans are canceled. The Torah then says, He shamerlocha, watch out, God says, be careful, watch out. Maybe there will be something wicked in your heart that will say, Karva Shnasa Sheva Shnasa Shmita, the end of the Shmita year is coming, and I don't want to lend out to my brother who is in need because I'm not going to get it back. Don't do it. Be careful, because I God am going to know what the reason is that you're not lending to your brother. You should open your hand. You should be generous, even though it means you're not going to get the money back. Okay. So there came a time about 2,000 years where wealthy Jews did not live up to what the Torah expected of them. And they stopped lending. And of course, this brought about a violation on their part of a clear biblical command, a mitzvah, but even more serious is that it hurt the poor. Because if the wealthy are not going to lend, how would the poor survive? And so what happened was this mitzvah of canceling debts started to have the opposite effect of what was intended. It was intended to assist the poor. It ended up harming the poor. It made it worse. Because if people who are in need can't find a lender, then they're in big trouble. So this mitzvah was turning out to have a counterproductive effect. And that's when Hillel, the great sage Hillel, developed the document called Prusbol. Prusbol is an Aramaic word. It's actually a portmanteau. It's a word that's a combination of three Aramaic words, pros, buli, ubuti. Benefit, pros, it's a prize, benefit for the rich and for the poor. This document benefits both the lenders and the borrowers. How? First of all, by means of this document, lenders will be able to collect their debt even after Rosh Hashanah 
So it's a benefit to the lenders because it means that they will not violate the law of refusing to lend. It will save them spiritually from violating this mitzvah in the Torah because since they're going to get their money back, why would they not lend? All they have to do is have this document in place and they'll be able to get their money back. It's also a benefit to the poor because it means that they will still have access to capital. They will still find lenders that are willing to lend to them. So it's pros buli ubuti. It is a benefit both to the wealthy, to the lenders, and to the borrowers. Prusbal. This document is in use today. It's applicable today, here, everywhere in the world, for men and for women. And we will form a betdin, a Jewish court, here at Adath, like in many, many other places all over the world. We will form a betdin here on Erev Rosh Hashanah, Sunday, September 25th. We will do it in the morning at the end of Shachris, the morning service, which means it'll be about, uh, let's say, 8.30 a.m. And um, we will have the documents available. So there's a document. You have to fill it out. You have to sign it in the presence of the Betin. The Betin has to sign it as well. So we will form a Betin here at Adath. And whoever would like to execute this document is invited. And I invite you, I urge you, come to Adath or wherever you're going to go to be able to do, it has to be done in person, um, to be able to execute this document so that, and even if you don't know if you have any loans outstanding, but a person could have forgotten. In this way, if you remember after Rosh Hashanah, oh yes, I had lent money to that person and it was due and it might have been canceled, but you'll have the document. You'll be able to collect your debt. Okay. So there are two questions about this, two difficult questions about this. Number one, how does it work? I mean, how does filling in a document make it okay to collect a debt after Rosh Hashanah when the Torah says you're not allowed to collect it? Number one. And number two, however, however it works, isn't it just a legal fiction that goes against the spirit of the law? I mean, the Torah says don't collect the debt, cancel the debt. But you sign a paper in front of a court and you're able to, to, to do it. What, what justice is there? What righteousness is there in finding a loophole to get around the law? So let's answer both questions in order. How does it work? The way it works is as follows. I said before that the only debts that are canceled by Shemitah, are personal loans between one individual and another. What if you owe money to an entity, not a person? For example, what if you owe money to a court, to a betin, to a Jewish court? Well, that's not canceled. You could owe money to a betin for various reasons. There could be a penalty, there could be a lien, there could be other uh, um, reasons that you could be obligated to pay money to a court. That's not canceled. So the Talmud says, the Mishnah says, Mosar Shtarosov Lebezdin, if a person transfers their loan to Bezdin, what I do is I lent you money. So that means you owe money to me. What I do is I transfer that debt to Bezdin. I'm not collecting it. Bezdin is going to collect it. The court is going to collect it. 
and the court is allowed to collect it, and the court does not cancel loans, monies that are owed to it. In fact, that's what the document says. I'll just read part of the English translation of the document. It says, in the presence of the undersigned three judges, so-and-so appeared before us on this day, and he made the following declaration. He said, I hereby turn over to you judges, and you list the names of the judges, all of the debts owed to me, so that I may therefore collect these debts anytime I desire. Okay, so the two parts to that. The first is, I transfer my debts to Besden. So now, the money is going to be collected by Besden. Now, there's a second principle that goes like this. Hefker, Besden, Hefker. Besden has the right to do with finances, with money, anything it chooses. It can choose to take away money from you. It can choose to give it to you. Besden has the right to take and utilize any person's money. That is a general principle that exists. So, if I have transferred my debt to Besden, Besden has the right to appoint me as its messenger to collect the debt owed to Besden, and Besden has the right to say that once I collected that debt on behalf of Besden, I could keep it because Besden has the right to give money from one to another. Practically speaking, if you have this document executed by Besden, when you go to collect your debt after Rosh Hashanah, you have to present this document to be able to collect. And then you're collecting not for yourself, you're collecting as an appointee of the court, of the Besden. And then Besden is going to decide to give the money to you, the lender. Okay, so that is technically how it works. That answers the first question. But what about the second question? Isn't it just a legal fiction? Isn't it just a loophole that allows circumventing, if not the letter of the law, certainly the spirit of the law. So, there are a number of answers to this question. And there are many people who do believe in a cynical manner that this is just that, a loophole. People getting their way with money in some fashion or another. I don't think that's correct. And I want to share with you my understanding of how this works. Let's start by asking the following question. The Mishnah tells us the following detail. It's a fascinating detail. It goes like this. I, let's, let's say, Ruvain lends money to Shimon. It's due. Shemitah year ends. Now the debt is canceled. Shimon comes to Ruvain and says, I owe you money. We're talking about without a principle. I owe you money. I've got to pay back the debt. Ruvain says, no, it's canceled. Shemitah year ended, the debt's canceled. You don't have to pay me back. Shimon says, but I want to give it to you. I want to pay it back. Afal became. In spite of the fact that I'm not obligated to do so, I want to do so. Says the Mishnah, Ruvain is allowed to receive the money. If the borrower offers it voluntarily, 
the lender is allowed to keep it. That's the rule. Now, that's very strange. Because, so what if it's voluntary? If the Torah does not want, if God does not want that money paid back, what does it matter if it's paid back because it's owed or it's paid back voluntarily? Just to use a different example in a completely different subject, you know, there's a prohibition for one Jew to lend money to another Jew and charge interest. What happens if um, Ruvain lends money to Shimon? Let's say it's $100, and Shimon pays back the $100 and wants to pay back interest. Ruvain says, you don't owe it to me. There's no interest. I didn't charge you interest. One Jew to another, no interest. What if Shimon, the borrower, says, no, I want to give it to you as a present. I want to give it to you. The Torah is clear it's not permissible. The Torah does not want interest paid, whether it is obligatory or voluntary. Why in the case of Shemitah is it different that if the loan is going to be repaid voluntarily, the lender can accept it? So here's one answer to that question. There are many relationships in life that use money as power or control. Very often parents do this. Sometimes spouses do this, and that can be a very, very problematic, abusive thing to do sometimes. In-laws can do this. Borrowers and lenders can do this to each other. It's not just that, I've, that I'm giving you money, but because I'm giving you money, I'm holding something over you. I can coerce you to do something that you might not otherwise want to do. What the Torah wants with the entire concept of Shemitah is for us to realize that we are not what we have. We shouldn't use what we have to exercise power over others. Benjamin Franklin wrote, your net worth to the world is usually determined by what remains after your bad habits are subtracted from your good ones. That's what your net worth should be. It's not always like that in life. But when the borrower says to the lender, became, notwithstanding the fact that the debt that I owe you is canceled, I want to give it to you voluntarily. When the borrower says that, the borrower is transformed from a submissive, weak person who could potentially be coerced into one who is an equal. I don't have to give it to you. I want to give it to you. It's my choice. And therefore, when I give it to you, I'm giving it to you not in a submissive manner of one who was in need and had to borrow and was humiliated and ashamed. I'm an equal. I'm going to give you a gift. You think you're so great, Mr. Rockefeller. I can give you a present. It makes us equals. And that is what the Torah is trying to achieve through Shemitah. 
when I write a prusbal, I am not collecting as a lender. When I take that document to the borrower after Rosh Hashanah and say, here's the prusbal, I'm here to collect, I'm not collecting it for myself. I am an appointee of the Bezdin. An appointee of the Bezdin? Well, you have to pay back the Bezdin. You're not, that debt was not canceled. But I'm not collecting because I'm the lender. I'm not collecting because I have more than you and I was able to exercise some kind of power or control over you. I was appointed by the Bezdin. It's like I'm a bailiff. You know, I was appointed to do a job. So here I am, I'm doing the job. I'm only the messenger. I'm only the messenger of the Bezdin. Prusbal upholds the spirit of this law, which protects the poor from the violation of the mitzvah by the rich. So what Prusbal achieves is the poor do not suffer because they have access to capital. They have lenders that are willing to lend to them. And the wealthy, even when they collect, they are not able to act as more powerful or more important because of what they have. They're simply an appointee of Bezdin. And so with the Prusbal, Hillel's system violates neither the letter nor the spirit of the law of Shemitah. Rather, with the Prusbal, we fulfill both by assuring that we define ourselves not by what we have, because what we have is ultimately not ours. It belongs to God. Now, yes, of course, if a person doesn't consider any of this, and a person looks at it in a superficial manner, yes, of course, it looks on the surface like it's just a simple loophole. But when a person understands how it works, and a person understands what actually is being done, in my opinion, it fulfills both the letter and the spirit of the mitzvah of Shemitah. The Torah insists that what we have is not really ours. And the Torah insists this, God insists this in so many different ways on Shabbos, when we're required to rest the agricultural laws of Shemitah, the financial laws of Shemitah of canceling debts, so many other mitzvahs, like not charging interest, because it's not yours. God says, don't take a payment for lending money to someone else. And many, many other mitzvahs. Prusbal is the reminder of my need to change my thinking. The way I look at life, the way I look at my life, the way I look at the things that I have, Prusbal changes my way of thinking about that. And of course, the goal is not only that I should be affected once every seven years, but that that understanding should filter through and continue for the rest of the seven years with this awareness that Hashem Ha'aretzim Loa 
Everything belongs to God. Whatever is in my possession, I'm a steward. But a steward has to act in accordance with the wishes of the ultimate owner. And that is God. And the prisbal helps us to realize that. My friends, I want to wish you a great day and a wonderful Shabbos. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person.